Okay, test, test. Looks like we've got sound. And dad hair day. What's up guys, Matt Fugit here, and we are bringing you episode five of the Dad Hair Day podcast. Um, I hope everyone's doing fantastic. I hope that everyone's prepping for Thanksgiving. I hope the elections went and sound, it seems like they did. And who knows if the world is gonna come back to normal, but nonetheless, we are going to push on, have some fun tonight and talk about uh, hair jargon. So I've started to notice in some of my previous episodes, I was throwing out hair terminology that some people may know, but some people may not. And it really made me um, think, you know what, I need to do a little episode on jargon. And of course, like all of my episodes, it seems to stem from a conversation I started to have with my wife last night about the difference in Australian words and then American words and then the fact that when I used to do a lot of on-camera appearances and I was doing a lot of spokesperson jobs, I would use this one word a lot to um, amplify a product or to try to get my, you know, really try to get a point across and tell you that this is the greatest product to use because of this purpose. And the use that I, and the word that I would always use was especially. So I'd always say, especially if you have curly hair or if your hair is especially dry or if your hair is you know especially if you want to knock out the room like this is the product you should use so i would use this word especially but what my wife drew to my attention was i wasn't using the word especially i was saying the word especially and it would just grind her gears so i was saying especially if you have curly hair, especially if your ends are dry, or especially that um, you want to knock out the room. So um, I started to notice that I was saying words wrong that I didn't even know, and another one, and it must just be me with my, my ESs because I also thought that it was espresso for the longest time. I always felt that like once I started drinking espresso, it was such a fancy thing that there had to be an X in it or something. So um, I now know that it is espresso. And yeah, that was, that was where this conversation started to come from last night. I'm like, all right, well, let's also talk about some of the terminology in the beauty world that I hope can help you guys talk to your stylists better at home. And, um, and also I'm gonna tell you about some stories along the way that made me learn much more about language and you know, moving from a very small town with a very small language skill set moving into New York City and learning all about a much different dynamic and a much different way to talk to people that wasn't just forget about it and go fuck yourself and, and all of that. That really wasn't happening as much as, as I thought once I moved to New York City. So, um, you know, it reminded me when in high school we started, it seems like with the evolution of each generation, there's always these terminology or these words that that are catchphrases or, you know, as we look back at these words we used to say, like out of sight or dynamite or when I was in high school it was the bomb and we'd always used to go dude that's the bomb and the bomb then turned into bomb so if you were saying the bomb you were kind of like a loser so you had to be like dude you can't say my jacket's the bomb my jacket's just bomb it's just bomb bro it's not the bomb and I'll never forget getting corrected in high school by one of my other cooler by like someone cooler than me and it really, um, it reminded me of that scene in The Social Network or whatever, that Facebook movie with Justin Timberlake when he's sitting there with Mark Zuckerberg and he's like, 
dude, I don't call it the Facebook. Just call it Facebook. And it reminded me so much of being young when, when my friends were like, dude, don't say the bomb. You should just say it's just bomb. And, um, you know, now that I'm raising my daughter, it's really cute trying to demonstrate language to her. And, you know, obviously her, um, her language skills aren't at the best at the moment, but she's got mama and dada down. But she did blow my mind the other day, and I loved it because she did it right in front of Laura. We were watching The Mandalorian, and right when Baby Yoda popped on the screen, Phoenix looked right at the screen, pointed up, and went, Yoda! And it was, oh, it just blew my mind. My like little heart melted, and I went, no frigging way. My daughter just looked up and just knew who, who Yoda was. And hence, that's kind of why we dressed Phoenix up as Baby Yoda for Halloween, because she is definitely my little Baby Yoda. And my wife, I, I um, wanted to do a fun hairstyle, so of course the Ray and the triple ponytails and, and having the um, ability to style her hair and whip, whip up a beautiful Halloween costume for mom and baby um, at, at a last minute when we went to my parents' house was really fun. So, but it's interesting when you, um, when you start hearing people talk, and, and I find that I was watching a Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and he made a great statement about how the youth now, and now that I'm raising my own youth, the way they talk is very, uh, it just is very unimpactful. And he said, you know, you can't blame them because the young generation teenagers and even those in their, you know, creeping on their, into their 20s, they're all still kind of just learning how to talk. And you're going to take offense to that unless you are someone that is old enough to understand that, yeah, when, when I now look back at the way I used to talk and I used to go, dude, that shit's the bomb. You, you know, you now, um, you have a much better understanding for someone that's like, yo, did you hear that new music? That shit was fire. And you're just like, oh, just shut up. Like, you just sound like an idiot. But nonetheless, when I moved to New York, um, the thing that I always used to say in my own, in my, with my own clients or with my own anything was nice. For some reason, I just always thought the word nice could go so many different ways. And you could definitely, um, you could use that word for so many different, different things. And I, and I remember Brian calling me out one day on it and saying, you know, Matt, all you say is nice. You basically do a hairstyle and you say, that's really nice. Or you compliment someone and you tell them they're very nice. Or you, if you think a girl's attractive, you say, she's pretty nice. And I just remember him saying, I'm kind of getting tired of hearing you say nice all the time. Well, when I moved to New York and I started assisting Miss Sally, the new word that I had learned was major. And everything was major. Everything had to be major. Like, honey, this haircut's major. These boots are major. And I remember thinking, God, my adjective, my adjective of nice is so small town. I definitely wasn't thinking bigger. I needed to think much bigger. Sally's over here talking about major. And I need to, I need to get up on that level and figure out, you know, how to become major. And that was always something that was described about anything, about anything, about anybody. Yo, what's that haircut? Is that haircut major? Oh, that haircut's major. And then it turned into, um, where are we going tonight for steaks? We need like a major steak. It's like, yeah, let's go get a major steak. I'm into a major steak. 
or you know a new stylist would come work with us and we'd be like dude he's a major stylist he's major he does everybody he has like four clients he's major and you would use it and, and then we started to use it almost um you know as when you would degrade someone too and then it became like this funny thing funny way to use language and uh you know mock people too and i'd always say things where i'd be like yo bro is that just major or what? And it would, and I'd be with my group of group of friends, and we knew we were instantly making fun of the overuse of the word. And then after major came genius, and it was just everything was genius. And I always thought it was so funny to see these words come, um, you know, come into in and out of fashion. And now the words are just the fire and the lit and all the stupid shit. It's like I, if I say the word lit. I really just think that my brain cells like kind of wilt as I, as I say things like that, at least major and genius had some sort of sexy swore, like soiree to them. Is soiree even a word? Did my brain cells just melt a little bit? Probably. I'm making up words now, but there was something so, so powerful about someone that you looked up to and truly respected so much saying these big ass words. When I got to um, meet one of my other icons, Russell Brand, when you talk with Russell Brand, he's so articulate and he's so just perfect in the way that he speaks that he's almost, I mean, I mean, I'm sure most of you have seen Russell Brand speak. It's just, it's almost inhuman, the, the way he articulates and the way that he can form sentences and still be comedic and but still be able to drive a point home in such a brilliant fashion. It's almost Shakespearean in like a modern term. But uh, nonetheless... You know, when you, so when you are that person that someone's looking up to and you use language so effectively, it can have such a dynamic impact. And when you're a hairstylist and you're behind the chair and you're talking to a client, it is very, very important that your words mean what they mean or mean what you mean for them to say. It's very important that your words mean what you mean. <laughs> the bomb. So... What I, mean, what I mean by that is when I would have consultations with clients, you'd always come into the same sort of terminology, but it could mean so many different things. Um, number one thing for me every time was the word trim. Oh, I just need a trim. Just a trim. What are we doing today? Just a trim. Just a trim. And the just a trim thing, you know, was very hard because A, in the hairdresser's world, for you guys listening at home that aren't hairdressers, there's no such thing as just a trim. You're either getting a haircut or you're not. Because there's a, there's a really fine line. Let's see. I, I think I can go into some gray area here and then bring it back. So when you're doing a trim, depending on the type of hair that you have, um, you still have to go through the haircut as you were if it was a brand new haircut. So if you have a long layered hairstyle with facial framing and lots of layers, you still have to trim the length, the layers, the facial framing, you know, the internal, the external layers. You have to still, you can't just dust the bottom because then the facial framing still is like droopy now and the layers are heavy now because once you bring the length up, the layers don't work because now they're in an awkward spot. And just a trim is still at its core, giving you another haircut. It's just basically, by you saying I wanna trim, the way I, I see that and the way my brain processes that is, okay, you just want the haircut that I gave you last time. The haircut that you got last from me 
is great. We don't need to change anything. You are here for maintenance. You want to trim. So I'm going to give you the same haircut that I gave you last time. Um, now, this comes with some confusion when you end up charging somebody because then they go up to the front desk and they go, oh no, Matt just did a trim. He didn't give me a haircut. And then the manager comes back and they're like, Matt, what's the deal? This girl said you just gave him gave her a trim. And, and I go, I know it was a full haircut. Like, it's not my fault that, you know, she needed a, a, I mean, it's not, just because it's not a makeover doesn't mean it's not a haircut. Just because I'm not doing some life-changing Instagram worthy, holy shit, look at my new look. It's the bomb. Like, it's, it doesn't mean it's not still a haircut. So for you girls at home, when you say a trim to your to your stylist, you should know that that is still a haircut. You're still going to be charged full price. Um, you know, it's, it, it is nice because you don't have to go through the consultation process, which I'll get to next. And you don't have to go through the the whole like figuring out and sorting out different things that all come from a consultation when you're giving a haircut. But the gray area that I was talking about early is this other word that you can use. And this one kind of, it also, it also kind of triggers me as well. And it's called a dusting. So for my clients that are growing their hair out and they're just here for a dusting, just dust it, just dust the ends, just a dusting. It basically is, is a way of telling you that you do not, like the client should not see a difference in her hair length at all that's number one most important so when you get when you dust a woman's hair you're not taking i mean you're literally dusting just the ends so what i would normally do is i would still comb the hair down check out the length but instead of now cutting like a trim and drawing a strong line now i'm just looking for stragglers basically now I'm just looking for things that are out of place. And if there's a couple pieces here, a couple pieces there, I go snip, 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 boom, pull the layers out. And I'm like, okay, this piece is weirdly, you know, weird here, clip, little piece here, clip. And it's just a couple snips all the way around. Maybe, maybe some slight facial framing if that's what you need. And, and that's it. And, and usually if I'm doing a dusting in the, in the previous salon environments, I would do them after your blowout because I'm, I don't have time. It's like, oh, you just want me to dust your hair. Okay, cool. Let's just boom, right into the blowout, dry the hair. I look at it. Also, when the hair is dry, I can see it better. I can see what's even more damaged than when it's wet because when the hair is holding onto the porosity, it can fake you and fake the eye and it looks healthier than it is. But once it's dry, you're like, oh shit, this stuff is dry. Let's cut it off. So um, I would do my dustings normally on dry hair right before you walk out. And that most of the time was complimentary. Um, you know, time and a place. I would, I would normally try to remember the clients that are serial dusters and, and make sure I knew that. Cause if you have a client that, you know, I mean, unless you, unless that's your plan with your client that we are growing your hair out lots of lots and lots of time, my brides, all of my brides, let's grow your hair out. Let's, you know, get you an extra six inches in the next year for when you're married so that we can have more opportunity for updo. We have more versatility with styling. We can do things that we can't do right now when your hair is a lob that we can once it has six more inches of hair. So yes, when I'm preparing my brides, I'm dusting them and that's all, you know, because we're moving forward into styling for an occasion that's coming along. So most of the time, yes, that's, um, that's, that's like complimentary. Another term that, I mean, this is just kind of my own personal thought behind this word, 
the word is um, uh, highlights. <clears throat> so highlights to me should, this is a hard thing to kind of, let's see, how, how do I want to say this? So highlights, when you are coloring somebody's hair and they want highlights, I think for 99% of the population, highlights mean lighten my hair. But to me, and to some other colorists, when you really start talking about the word, what you're actually wanting to do is you're taking the hair and you're highlighting a portion of it to then accentuate another part. So, meaning, I want highlights around my eyes so that my eyes are becoming more of a focal point. I want you know, ombre highlights down here by my collarbone so that, you know, like my ends are now the focal point. I want highlights around my cheekbones. I want low lights around places to make my highlights pop more. Um, I think the word highlight got so overwhelmed in the like 90s, 2000 with the, when the chunk started coming in and this highlight low light started becoming like this grid of hair color where you're, where you would say, I want an inch of highlight here, and then an inch of low light here, and then an inch of highlight here, and then an inch of low light here, and then I look like a stripy tiger. Stripy tiger, rar rar. It's the bomb, rar. And <clears throat> and so highlights started losing the the thought and the meaning behind them. And now when clients would book highlights, they just you know you basically came in and slapped bleach on their roots, and you're like, cool, you're highlighted. Where really you're not highlighted, you're just blonder and you just have blonder hair. So um, it's really fun to have a conversation with your stylist where you start personalizing your hairstyle to you, to you. And when you actually start realizing that, yes, I want my highlights here at my cheekbone. I want a nice dark root. And then all of a sudden, bang, the splash of color that comes out of my facial framed layers and open my eyes up and draw the attention to my cheekbones and then it gives the hair movement when I curl it and it wraps around, you know, moving down from my jawline to my collarbone, down to my boobs, down to whatever. And then you start realizing that like the highlights now have a purpose as opposed to just being, I need my highlights done, I've got an inch of grow out. So that's, um, that's one of the words you can start using differently with your stylist if that helps you and your and your um, relationship or with your consultation because there are going to be times when you guys may be lost in translation. Um, I've used this word already a couple times, face framing. So facial framing is when you cut pieces of hair around the face and they should then open and or close off parts of the face to then change the shape of your face. So by adding really blunt bangs, you can completely cover somebody's forehead and that completely changes the shape of their face. So if you have a especially large forehead, um, you can then, you know, add some bangs, you can add some like curtain type style bangs, you can do a lot of things with them if you, if you know, depending on your face shape to really start creating a different shape with you know using your hair to, to create the shape and that's when when you really become a great hairdresser you should be able to just look at someone's face and know what's going to work for them um you know as long as they have the hair type texture the styling time the dedication the um, work ethic and the styling ability to recreate what it is you do because that's the other thing you can't always just be that badass hairdresser and do this awesome fucking haircut on a girl and then she can never restyle it and she's like bro 
like my curly, curly, curly hair that you just did, and you put all these facial framing around, and all these bangs. Like now, I just have really short curls all around my all around my face, and I, and then you're like, well, not when I did it because I blew it out and I flat ironed it and I put thermal protectant on it, and now your hair's the bomb. Okay, no more of the no more of the bombs, no more of the bombs. Um, yeah, so face framing. I think if you're gonna have that conversation with your stylist, I think it should be more. Um, you should always talk about face framing. This is going to sound very counterproductive, but it's going to be a life changer for you girls when you talk to your stylist. Pull all of your hair back like you would a very tight ponytail so that you don't see any hair, but you only see your face and then start talking about face framing. It will really um, create a much more artistic integrity uh, um, from your stylist. And it's also going to really allow you and your stylist to look at your face and then what I usually do is I can use my hands to then open and close the face off and, um, you know, and or, I mean, I remember doing things that we had like fake bangs you could clip on people. We had fake layers you could clip on people and things like that. I mean, I haven't done that in years, but I do remember having those in the salon at one time. Usually those were done for color as well because it'd be like, what would I look like blonde? What would I look like brunette? What would I look like as a redhead? And you'd slap these big fake bangs on and see how it worked with your complexion. But anyway... Um, pulling your hair back does just allow you to see your face because sometimes I have all these girls and they throw all their hair forward and they're kind of like, I just want face framing and then you can't really see their face and, and you, need to, you need to be able to see the face. It's a very personalized thing when you're doing haircuts that, um, you know, you're, you can do the same exact haircut all day long, but you're going to get completely different results every single person that sits in your chair. You can't just give the same haircut to every single person and expect every single person to walk out looking like Jennifer Aniston. Like, it's just, it's just not how it works. So having that ability to be honest with yourself, your hairstylist, and, um, and the mirror, the goddamn mirror is a, is a rough one, man. Like, staring into that mirror and having these conversations can be uncomfortable at first, but then that's when you, be, that's when you have this synergy with this other person that um, then the next time you come in, you don't have to do all that this uncomfortable shit again. You just go, just trim it. Loved it last time. We know what we're doing. We know where we want my highlights. We know where we want my facial framing. We know where we want this. We know where we love my length. Let's just trim it and then bang off to the race as we go. We cut your hair. I already know what I'm doing. Then we just have fun. We talk about your life and we see what's going on in your life in these, in these trying times. So now that you kind of have a little bit better dialogue or at least some other terminology that you can talk with your hairdresser about, I wanted to tell you a couple um, stories of mine that I thought were great about when I got lost in translation in New York. If I tell the first one and it's um, and it's like disclaimer, uh, I don't know if it's PC or not anymore. I, I really don't, to be honest, and I probably shouldn't be telling it. But you know what? This is what the podcast is about. I'm going to pull you guys behind the curtain. So I think it was like one of my first weeks, second week, third week, something brand new in New York City. I was assisting, just running around, helping all the stylists. Sally wasn't actually in the salon. She was, I think, in LA or something. So I was just floating. And by floating, it means all the stylists normally had a, had a um, designated assistant, but I was just floating. So I was basically just running around and doing whatever I could to help whoever at the time. And one of the stylists there was super busy and he was starting to lag behind. So his assistant was doing all the shampoos. I was trying to help with the blow dries and just, you know, clean up his station and keep the shit moving, keep the ball rolling. And... He goes, dude, can you go get my next client, please? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, um, what's, your, what's your next client? And he goes, oh, 
it's um it's just like the chappy girl sitting up front and so just grab her and bring her back here and we'll start her consultation so me being an absolute moron and again i know this is super not pc but it's like this is my story man this is what happened this is how i grew um i went up to the front desk looking for a japanese girl and i'm like man that was and it was shocked me because you know like i knew new yorkers were kind of brash and like you know, they're all, forget about it, go fuck yourself, and they got these really naughty mouths, but for him to just be like, yo, there's some jappy girl sitting up front, <laughs> I was like, damn, these guys are ruthless here. This is like, I am way too nice of a person to be working in New York City, I think. I don't know if I'm going to cut it. Nonetheless, I go up front, nope, nope, just like a couple girls sitting up there, no Japanese girls, so I kind of come back and I'm like, yo, uh, I, don't, I don't think your client's here yet. And he's like, oh, okay, good, good. It gives me time to catch up. So then he, um, he finishes his client, and I think he walks in the back to make himself a coffee or something. And as he's walking back through the lobby, he sees his client, and he's like, oh, so-and-so. You know, I'm really sorry. I didn't know you were here. And she's like, oh, it's okay. I've only been waiting for a few minutes. And so he comes, and he starts doing this consultation with her, and her's just sitting this, like, beautiful woman, and, you know, talking with her, the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, his, I guess his client wasn't Japanese. And so then she goes to get shampooed and he, you know, comes over to scold me. And he's like, dude, when I tell you to go get my next client, you have to go get my next client. Because she said she'd been sitting up there for 15 minutes and I hate running late with my clients. And I went, bro, you told me that, like, there's a Jappy girl sitting up front and that girl's not Japanese. And he started laughing at me so hard. And he goes, what the hell? He's like, that's some racist redneck shit right there. He goes, I didn't say Japanese. I said Jappy, Jewish American princess, which probably isn't any better, to be honest, between you and me. I don't even know. But basically, it just meant like this really beautiful Jewish girl, I think, that was sitting up front. And like, and so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, dude, I'm really sorry. I, I don't know the lingo yet. I'm just so new to New York. And he was laughing so hard. And he's like, dude, why would I ever say a jappy girl sitting up front? Okay, that's enough of that story. I need to stop saying that. <clears throat> Nonetheless, it was, it was an eye opener for, uh, for language. Like I said, that's what this is all about. Salon talk, right? This is what goes on in a, uh, in a crazy ass salon. So the other thing, like I, when I, now that I circle back, when you do, ha when you are talking to your client from my end, now that you know the jargon coming from your end, um, I'll, I'll never forget assisting and watching a stylist give a consultation to um, one of his clients, and they just weren't they they were both lost in translation, both lost in translation. I could definitely tell she was struggling to tell him what she wanted, and he was just kind of like, okay, I think basically he knew exactly what she wanted, but she just was having a hard time hearing it from him, like the confirmation of what she wanted. So she was looking through magazines and she was trying to find what she wanted. And I'll never forget it because he goes, you know, this is what I think you really want. I think you want like a Kate Bosworth meets Kate Middleton meets Kate Blanchett meets Kate Moss. You know what I mean? And she just kind of looked at him and his confidence and throwing out all of those names in like this crazy succession. She just went, yeah, that's what I want. And he goes, yeah, that's, I think that's the feeling I'm getting. I totally know. I totally know what you want. You know what I mean? And she goes, yep. And then he looks at me and he's like, okay, let's go. Let's shampoo this girl. So he starts shampooing her, but I'll never forget that basically he was like, okay, 
I need to just tell this client what she needs to hear to energize her and get her excitement up because she was so, she just wasn't excited at that moment about getting her hair done. She was nervous. She was like, you know, she was a little like backpedaling in the way she didn't know how to explain it. So just his confidence and energy in just throwing out words like that made her feel so much more comfortable. And that was something that was really, um, it was like empowering for me. Cause it wasn't the fact that I was just gonna make up some bullshit and be like, yo, you need to look like, you know, Kim meets Kylie meets Kendall meets Chris meets, meets, you know, Caitlin, you know what I mean? And just have someone look at me like, like I'm an idiot. Um, so you kind of have to, you kind of have to know what you're talking about, but it was more the fact that getting your client excited to get their hair done and to have this feeling that you're so confident in what you're doing basically gave you the free reins to just do whatever you wanted. And, um, and he always delivered, you know, he was, he was, he was one of those people that was so good at what he did that, you know, most of the time people didn't even have to get a consultation from him. They'd usually just be like, you do what you wanted to do. And I remember getting there in that part of my career. And that was like the most freeing thing in the world. When finally people were just like, dude, I'm here to see you. You do what you want to do. You don't need to, we don't need to talk about it. I want you to do what you do. And that was always so cool. That was always such a freeing, amazing feeling when you, when you had that happen to you. So um, those were, oh, so when I did assist Sally and when she wasn't saying major and genius, um, parts of my job was to, while she was sectioning the haircut, you would kind of stand behind the client, always out of the way, and you'd hold the hair back. So while she was cutting around the face, you'd pull all the hair back, kind of like into like a low ponytail. You'd, you'd basically be a human clip is what we called ourselves. She would never use clips when she cut haircuts because she had two assistants that could hold the hair for her. So... It was always amazing because we got to be right in there with her haircuts. We got to watch the way she sectioned. We got to watch the way she moved and worked. And, and what she would do all of the time is she would cut a section. She'd do the section on the other side of the face. She'd cut it, measure it, make sure everything was perfect. Balance was on. Density was on. Um, texture was similar. You could just tell by the way she checked her haircuts that they were absolute precision. And so when she would do that, she'd stand in front of the client and she'd measure, right? She'd like grab the two pieces, let's just say like next to your eyes or whatever, these hair, these pieces over there, like your little, your little like sideburn pieces. And she's pulling them straight forward. Then she pulls them up and she pulls them down and she makes sure that from all angles they're the same length. And, and I was standing there behind her holding the hair. And she looks at me and goes, razor. And I went, okay. So I start pumping the client up because I'm behind her. I'm behind the chair now. So I've got the pump that, that moves the chair up and down, right? So I start pumping the chair up, boom, 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 and the, and the client's moving. She's getting taller, getting taller. And Sally's holding onto these bits like she's like getting ready to, you know, ride a horse. She's holding on to these front pieces of this girl's hair while she's getting taller and taller. And Sally's not tall. So the chair's going up and she just looks at me again and goes, raise her. And I'm like, okay, I'm raising her. And I'm like, and she keeps getting taller and taller. And she goes, Matt, what are you doing? Grab my razor. And I went, oh, you want me to get your razor, not like raise her up in the chair. And I remember Sally looked at the other assistant, my friend Mike at the time, and rolls her eyes and was just, and she goes, I don't know what I'm going to do with this guy, Mike. Like I asked for my razor. She, he pumps he, she pumps my fucking client up into the sky like she's getting a haircut in a space needle. 
And she was like, I think we need to send this kid back to Seattle. And we all laughed about it. And I went, well, Jesus, Sally, raise her, raise her, raise her, raise her. Like, I mean, at least you didn't say, grab my raise her. And I just like grabbed your client and picked her up or something. And it was, it was like, I mean, it's pretty close. Raise her, raise her. I, I mean, you know, it's, I thought I was doing the right thing. But it was, it was definitely one of those moments where, again, lost in translation and I was just didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was a moron. But that was one of that's one of those things I look back at being an assistant. And now when I work with my assistants, I always tell that story because of because A, like, you know, I don't know how many double entendre type words there are that could work coefficiently with like hairdressing and shit like that. But um that definitely was it was a part that that Oh, I'm always like, guys, if I ever say anything, you don't understand what I'm saying because I'm talking like some sort of asshole. You can for sure stop in front of my client and be like, Matt, what did you just say? Did you just say go get her coffee tea? Like what's, what's coffee tea? I don't, I don't, I don't know what coffee tea is. And, um, yeah. So with that being said, I think something that I'm going to try to do as we move forward in our, in our podcast life together here on dad hair day is I want to be confident enough to be able to gather my thoughts and give them to you guys as succinctly as possible. I've noticed because it is just me, I start to roll on tangents here and there. And, and, and that is just something that's going to happen. But since I'm not doing a podcast where I'm interviewing someone or that there's someone that is, you know, in a conversation with me, that's question and answer type of format. I'm basically here just pushing thoughts out one after another. And I really want to value your time listening, but I also want to be able to not be the guy that's like, 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 you know, like, like, you know, like, like, you know. So I don't want to be that guy that's so flustered while I'm trying to talk and tell you guys about my stories and hopefully give you some great information about how you can have better hair, how you can talk with your hairdressers better, how you can see what happens to us hairdressers. So I just need to have that confidence in being silent sometimes when I gather a thought like that, even though I did lead that sentence with the word like, but I feel in that moment that like actually made sense there. Since all we do now is hear the word like, 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 and all we say is like the video, like the this, like the that, like the this. And when you start listening to people that every third word is like, it brings me back to trying to teach my daughter how to actually speak and be listened to and the value of your voice and to be that person who is confident, whether you're behind a hair chair or whether you're just having a conversation with another human being on a playground, or if you're trying to get a point across in some sort of debate or you know, just trying to be a great human being and have a conversation with somebody at a grocery store or wherever it is, I want to make sure that Phoenix understands that it's okay to slow her thoughts, speak with power, be the last one to speak if that's the best thing to do, and not be the person that's always trying to get the word in. The thing I love so much about AA, and why I love being a member of AA, is it's the only place I know, and this may be a statement of I need to hang out in better places, but it's really the only place I know where everyone there 
is actually there to listen. Because in AA, you cannot crosstalk. When somebody is talking, you cannot talk while they talk, and that's why the program works. Where I find in so many times in life, people aren't listening, people are just waiting to speak. So when you're having a conversation with another person, they hear the first few words and instantly go into, I need to say something back to this person right away. So they don't hear the second half of your conversation or they cut you off and come over the top of you with something that may steer the conversation in a complete different divergent of where you wanted to go with it. And I just find that it can be um, very sabotaging to conversation. And now with so much social media happening and having to raise my daughter in this world that she's going to be a social media genius before I even understand, you know, how to follow people on social media, uh, I want to be able to make sure that she can talk in a way that, that she gets listened to. And I don't want her voice lost. And I think that it's been such a great thing for me to be able to go and be around these incredibly powerful people who have the power to speak so well and to also have role models that speak so well so that now I can pass that along to my daughter. It can make me a better person. It can make me a better listener. I definitely find that I try to listen so much more and always speak last. Um, it's definitely not I've just never been that person that's trying to get an, a word in over the top. And I find that when people do that to me, it, it's very, um, it's just very degrading when you start talking to someone and you have a, and you have a thought and you have a, and you have something that you want to share with somebody else. And the first thing you say is, you know, I was at McDonald's the other day, but what I saw out the window, Oh dude, I was at McDonald's the other day too, man. I had fucking two Big Macs. You know, right now it's a Big Mac, one Big Mac, and then you get another Big Mac for a dollar right now. Like you can't lose money. You have to go buy that second Big Mac. That's like, you're like, I mean, it's just a good investment to have that Big Mac. And then I was, and then you you say, right. Now I forget what I even saw out the window of that McDonald's. It was probably going to change your life. But now I have to go buy a Big Mac because they're, buy one, get one for $1, but thank you for, you know, steering the conversation in a way that is absolutely pointless, but I'm glad that you got to speak over the top of my thought. But that's the way we are as humans, and that's the way we are at the moment, and it's frustrating, but at the same time, um, maybe now that I've said that to some people, they can go, oh, that's right, maybe I won't talk over someone, or maybe I will pause and not just fill a conversation with like and like and you know like I think like sometimes I like need to need to talk like a lot and then and then like take a selfie and so that's basically the show tonight and I think I hear my baby crying outside so I think Laura's probably gonna walk in any second so nonetheless I hope you guys have a fantastic fantastic hair day I hope you got some great hair talk out of this and remember um, don't say that you want to give people fuck me curls if you don't know how to give them fuck me curls. So on that note, have a great dad hair day. I will see you guys in the next video.